Jude, the book of Jude, chapter number 1. The book of Jude, chapter number 1. That is the book immediately before Revelation. So you notice at the back of your Bible. Which is the very last book of the Bible. Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and Jude is immediately before Revelation. Very small book. And uh, so we're going to go to Jude chapter number one. I see John. It's after John. Keep going. John. Jude is right under John. 734. Jude is not even a page. <laughs> nope, it's, it doesn't it's, even have chapters. It's just one full It's chapter. very, very short. Jude. Is everyone there? John. Mm-hmm. John is three. Is it just Jude? Okay. Okay. Jude, chapter 1, verse number 20. The Bible says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's so short, I'm going to read it one more time. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy Holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I want to talk to us here for just a few minutes. Get on the bus. Get on the bus. So the writer here of Jude makes an interesting statement. He's talking about building up yourselves on your most holy faith. That does not say in, it says on. In means that you are entering into something. But on means you are standing or placed upon something. So to build yourself up. Um, Years ago, in my teenage years, early 20s, I was real big into weightlifting, not to get big and bulky, but that was a good stress reliever for me, and I had slimmed way down. And when I'd go to the gym, a lot of people were building themselves up, meaning that they're not satisfied with their level of progress where they were. They wanted to get bigger. They wanted to get stronger. They wanted to get faster. They wanted to be more cut. They wanted to to look more awesome in the mirror, you know, that was the people at the gym, when you go, that's that's what you encounter, right? And so they were constantly building on themselves. Spiritually speaking, the Bible challenges us not to be stagnant, not to stay where we are right now, but to constantly pursue a deeper relationship with God, to get closer to God, to try to grow in our knowledge and our understanding of His Word and His will and to to get more intimate with Him through a heartfelt relationship with prayer and consecration. And so the more we get to know Him and the closer we, we become to Him, the more we will grow spiritually. It does not happen automatically. Alright? I want to challenge us with this question this morning. Am I closer to God... Today than I was one year ago. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I barely knew God last year. Yes. And if you say yes to that, I applaud you. And I and I, I am thankful for that. And I say keep going. Yeah. 
Keep going further. Keep building yourself up. Keep building upon that. If your answer is no, then you might say, why not? And what can I do to change that? The Word of God constantly challenges us to go further in our relationship with God, to get closer to Him. And so, we've, uh, many of us, we've, we've, made, we've all made great leaps and strides uh, pursuing God, learning about God, and facilitating a relationship with Him. But I want to challenge us here this morning to say, I want to take that a little bit further. I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to, I want to have a little bit more of God in my life. And it comes by me doing what I need to do to make it happen. Jude says, you must build upon your most holy faith. Remember last week that I talked to us out of Romans 10 and 17. It said, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm not a person that is real big on to wordplay and twisting words around to mean everything. I am, um, uh, my, my boss gets really aggravated at me sometimes. She says, you need to learn how to play nice in the gray area of life. I tend to be an absolutist. I like it this way or this way. You know, I believe that there's a right way and there's a wrong way. I don't like to play in the unknown and the uncertainty. And that, that is something that I have to constantly work on. But I do believe that there are scriptural, biblical absolutes that we really shouldn't mess with and try to alter or change. And so, I made a statement last week, and, and I think it raised some eyebrows, some, some people that listened. Uh, maybe you, I made this statement. I said that faith has one source, hearing the Word of God. That's what we just read out of Romans chapter 10, and verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Inspiration comes from many sources. We can listen to music, watch an inspiring movie. Um, you know, there may be someone we have a lot of respect and admiration for that inspires us. There could be uh, someone's story or testimony overcoming adversity. Inspiration has all kinds of sources, all right? Faith only has one source hearing the Word of God. Now, there are people in this world that would disagree with me for saying that because people are accustomed to taking words out of context. What Jude is telling us here is that after you've heard the Word of God and faith has been birthed in your life, in your spirit, it is your responsibility as an individual to build upon that. There are tools to build up your faith. Prayer, fasting, Reading and studying the word for yourself at home. Becoming a praiser and a worshiper of God. Giving financially to, to help the church finances. There are different things that you can do to build up your faith. But in, in order to have faith in general, the only way to really get it is to expose yourself to the preached word of God. That's Bible, isn't it? Now, you may say, well, that person's story just really gave me the faith that I can do that too. No, that person's story inspired you, motivating you, saying, well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? But that is not faith. That's inspiration. Faith has only one source, hearing the Word of God. Last week, I talked real briefly at the end about the difference between teaching and preaching. Teaching, like we have in Sunday school, 
helps us and instructs us. It builds our knowledge and our understanding of the Word of God. It helps us to learn and ultimately to grow. But preaching is essential because that's where we, that's where we get our faith. Now, why would we need faith? We need faith every day of our life in everything. We need faith when the doctors diagnose someone with cancer. You know, whenever the bills uh, are piling up and we don't have the money to pay the bills. Or we're going through something that seems life-shattering and life-changing. You need faith. And I'm here to tell you today, the only place that you can get faith is exposing yourself to hearing the Word of God. Not reading the Word of God. Reading the Word of God will help you build upon that faith. Praying will help you build upon that faith. But in order to have faith, you must expose yourself to the preached Word of God. That's what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. Does that make sense? And so, uh, some people say, well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need a pastor. You know, uh, I always chuckle whenever people at work say, preachers are all about money. They just want to take your money. Okay. Yeah. All right. But some people have that mindset and they'll say, well, I don't need to go to church. I can sit at home and read the Bible for myself and get everything I need. But Paul said, well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And then in verse 14 of chapter 10 of the book of Romans, he says, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Paul says we need a preacher. We need a pastor in our lives to preach to us. That's what builds and it's what gives us faith. Exposing ourselves to the preached word of God. That's why we restructured our services a couple months or so back to have Sunday school and preaching. Because this is where we're going to get the faith that we need to be an overcomer in life. To live for God and to be able to address life's challenges knowing that God is in control. If you remove preaching from your life and only have teaching, you'll be a smart Bible scholar, but you may not necessarily have any faith. When you have a meltdown immediately in the face of adversity, that is a challenge to you saying, where is your faith? Well, if all you have is teaching, or all you have is entertainment and singing and worship, but you don't have preaching, you are lacking the most uh, elementary, the most important element of living for God, faith. Because preaching is where we get our faith. But then Jude says, now take what faith you receive from hearing the word of God, and it's your responsibility to build on it. Okay? So we need a pastor. We need a church. We need preaching and teaching to build our faith and to grow in the way that God intends us to. Now we can look healthy outwardly, but inwardly be a total mess. We can. When I was a kid... I grew up on a farm way in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia. We lived way up in the mountains. And uh, we had multiple gardens. Some of them were, most of them were like a half an acre apiece. They were huge. It took a lot of work. We grew a lot of our, we grew all of our own vegetables and, and stuff like that. Fruit doesn't do so well in West Virginia unless it's an apple or something like that. But we grew all of our own vegetables. We never bought vegetables at the store because we grew our own, right? Um, So that was, I had all of the nutrients. I had all the right foods to be healthy and slender. But I was a fat kid. 
I ate the right stuff, but I ate too much too often, and I wasn't physically active enough. It didn't matter that I was eating the right stuff. I wasn't doing it in the right way. I wasn't using common sense and restrictions. You know, it didn't matter if it was carrots and and onions and green beans and whatever. You know, uh, you can overdo any good thing. And because I wasn't physically active, it didn't matter what what I was eating and consuming. It began to manifest itself outwardly, and I was a little chunky monkey. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I never really got over that until I got into high school and I started lifting weights and I trimmed way down. But you can look right on the outside and inside be a total mess. When I was a soldier and I got stationed at Fort Seal uh, in the year 2000, um, I came here, I was 185 pounds, I, was, I looked like a stick. Because I had just come out of basic training and uh, AIT, Advanced Individual Training. I came to Fort Seal. I, I looked good on the outside. I, I met the height weight requirements. I was, I was doing great. You know, I could knock out push-ups and sit-ups all day long. But I wasn't a very strong runner. And I looked good on the outside. But time told me that after I got out of the Army, within a year and a half, two years... I blew up and I gained an enormous amount of weight. And I was like, what in the world? Well, number one, I wasn't physically active like I was while I was in the army. And number two, my attention was drawn to the fact that I had horrible eating habits. I lived off of fried, greasy foods. I lived off of pizza, hamburgers, and hot dogs, and all of these things, potato chips and pastas, all these things that are delicious. I I ate that, and I ate as much as I wanted whenever I wanted it because I knew that the next morning at Fort Seal, I was going to run it off. I was going to do push-ups and sit-ups, and I wasn't going to balloon it up. I was going to burn it all off. I never gave any thought to it until I was no longer physically active, and I continued to try to eat the way I had always been eating, and I blew up, and I've never got that weight back off. Not entirely. I gained an enormous amount of weight. You can look healthy on the outside. I looked healthy on the outside. But inside, your heart is screaming, please quit doing this to me. Your internal organs. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> to, to make it worse. To make it worse. I was born, uh, there's a genetic condition where your good cholesterol level, okay? Uh, mine is a seven. My doctor told me he had never seen it that low with anybody throughout his entire career. Genetically, and I get it from my dad's side of the family, that means that the good cholesterol that protects your arteries and fights off all the bad cholesterol and keeps things from sticking and causing clots and blockages where people have to get stents later in life, uh, I don't have very much good cholesterol. So whenever I eat things like hamburgers and pizza and all that stuff like that, I have no internal protection guarding my arteries. So it wasn't very smart of me to do that, was it? But I did it anyway. I did what felt good. I did what I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it, regardless of the consequences. And it took its toll. Now I'm trying to address that and get things back in the direction that they're supposed to go. But my point of all of that is you can look right on the outside, but inside be a total mess. Spiritually, we can look right on the outside, but inside be a total train wreck. 
because there are certain things we need to be doing on a continual basis to keep ourselves spiritually fit, spiritually healthy, to keep our heart right, to keep our spirit right, to keep our hands clean. Sister Grimma talked about in Sunday school this morning about the breastplate of righteousness. There are things that we have to do, we are responsible for, for ourselves to make sure that uh, the inside of us is being taken care of and not just the, ex- the outside. Now, every day I get up and, and I take a shower, uh, you know, because I don't like to stink. I don't like to feel yucky. You know, you put on your deodorant and you put on your clothes and you start your day, right? But if I went for three or four or five days and I didn't take a shower and I didn't put on any deodorant and I didn't brush my teeth, would anybody want to be around me? Nope. No. Unless you start dogs. Right. <laughs> because on the outside, it's easy to recognize, man, you're a mess. You need to get yourself cleaned up. But sometimes it's harder to see those things on the inside. But there are ways that we can, we can tell that the inside is not right. When we're constantly in a bad mood, we're just irritable, we're lashing out at people and just, you know, just... Uh, saying mean and hurtful and hateful things to people, that's an indicator, hey, something's, something's not right. Something's not right. You know, uh, doing things that we normally would not do, but we find ourselves doing them easily and more frequently, they, those are all indicators saying, hey, something's not right. Okay? So we can look right on the outside, but on the inside, we a train wreck. James 2 and 20 says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? It's important. It is critical. It is absolutely essential to have faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So, the writer of Hebrews says, We must have faith, Right? We must have faith. And how do we get faith? By listening to the preacher. Yes, by exposing ourselves to the preached word of God, right? Mm-hmm. We have to have faith. But faith without works is dead, according to James 2 and 20. What is he saying? You can look good on the outside, but if what's going on, on the inside is not right, you're still a train wreck. When I was in Alabama for those three weeks of that course... The director of the whole school, he is a full bird colonel. His name was Colonel LaHaye. 48 years old, had a massive heart attack. And we never saw him until three days before graduation. Normally he's involved throughout the course. Never saw him. The dude runs. He goes to the gym. He's very muscular, very physically fit and whatever, whatnot. And when he finally got to talk to the class a few days before graduation. He said, you all need to take inventory. Look at your life and be honest with yourself and see where you need to make improvements. He said, it wasn't my lack of exercise that got me in the hospital with a heart attack at 48 years old. He said it was what I was eating. It was allowing stress to go unaddressed in my life, unmanaged. And not getting enough sleep, thinking, I can handle it, I can handle it. But over time, these things all take their toll on the inside of you. 
You can't see those things. But they have a way of manifesting themselves until it's too late. The total person concept, like we were talking Thursday night, it's important to take care of our outside person, but we also need to take care of our inside person because it all works together. And if we don't, we can look great on the outside, but we can be a mess on the inside. So Jude says, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost, one thing that you will learn to do is learn to pray in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will lead you into a deeper, more meaningful prayer session with God. And it's really hard to describe it until you experience it for yourself. But let it suffice to say, when you receive the Holy Ghost and you are praying, if you will stay on your knees a little while and talk to God, His presence will come upon you. And whenever the Holy Ghost leads you into a direction of prayer, God begins to do tremendous things in your life. And then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. We're living in a generation that really concerns me. Uh, The millennial generation is basically 1979 through the early 1990s, uh, early to mid-1990s. And that is the largest generation on record in the United States of America. They are twice the size of the baby boomers. That's huge. Because... We've been told all through school and everything the baby boomer generation was the biggest generation you know, ever born. Well, the millennial generation is twice the size of the baby boomers. We're noticing a steady decline of people going to church, believing in God, you know, considering going to church even relevant or important uh, in this millennial generation. That's critical because that generation is going to shape the Generation Y, which is all of you young people right here, or the Generation Z, um, you know, their kids and grandkids and, and so on and so forth. If if mom and dad don't consider going to church important and living for God important, do you think their kids are? Most of the time, no. Unless you're a Josiah that looks what happened to dad and said, I don't want that happening in my life. I'm going to make different choices, right? Like I was proud of Dante for bringing that up this morning in Sunday school. And he remembered that Bible lesson. So the millennial generation, we're losing them. All across America, every church and every denomination is suffering a huge decline in that particular generation. That is the 24 to 36 age group. And they don't consider going to church important. They don't believe in God. They're not spiritual. They're just kind of wrapped up in themselves. And so... We're not reaching them. We're not. Uh, we're not. Uh, uh, you know, connecting with them effectively and properly. But it's important that we understand that ultimately the responsibility lays on the individual to build upon your faith and grow. Don't stay where you're at. Get closer to God. Fall in love with God. Jude says, "Keep yourselves in the love of God." Now, that's an interesting statement, and I won't take the time to read it because I'm going to close here in just a couple minutes. Jude makes that statement, keep yourself in the love of God. Paul writes, what shall separate us from the love of God? And he gives this long list. Shall peril, fear of death, sickness, angels, demons, hardships, difficulties, adversities. Can any of these things separate us from the love of God? And he says, no. 
you can convince yourself that you are unworthy to be loved by God. You can let your past handcuff you and say, I've done too much. I've gone too far. God could never love me. God could never forgive me. That's one way. Or you could just throw up your hands and say, I don't care anymore. I'm going to go live my life to the fullest to do what I want to do, what makes me happy. I'm not going to church anymore. I don't, I don't need any of this. And you can separate yourself. It's not that God stops loving you. It's that you stop the growing process. It's that you stop the building upon your, your own faith process. You, you, you choose to walk away from the direction God's leading you in. So Jude says, keep yourself in. Nobody can get you out but yourself. Keep yourself in. Build yourself up. Keep yourself in the love of God. Now the title of this message today, I said, was Get on the Bus. So let me get to the point and share that with us. February of 2000, I was faced with a choice because two months earlier in the month of December, I was a police officer for Quinwood Police Department in Quinwood, West Virginia, a little small Mayberry-like town. Uh, And so um, they had laid me and another gentleman off they were doing cutbacks. I needed a job. West Virginia is a very, very poor economy. Not very many choices. You can work at Walmart. You can go flip burgers or uh, McDonald's. And I did that. But that's not going to support a family. That's not going to pay your bills. Okay? I, I remember I, I was working at Walmart for... I worked for them for a couple years or so. And they were giving me 34 to 36 hours, for which I was grateful. And then all of a sudden... The very next year, they cut me back to like 16 hours a week. And they would break that up into three different shifts on different days. Now, what was the point of me driving 35 minutes each way to work to work for four hours at minimum wage? I had some choices to make. And so I began to seriously consider joining the United States Army. That was scary because I had never really been out of West Virginia other than to visit family members in Ohio in Virginia and in Tennessee. Outside of that, I'd never been anywhere. And as a matter of fact, I told my wife, I said, my, my thought process on uh, Oklahoma was that everybody wore cowboy boots and spurs, were still riding horses and shooting the bad guys. You know, I didn't know any better. I'd, I was so secluded. <laughs> I thought everybody listened to, to George Strait and Garth Brooks. I thought this was still cowboy territory, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so when I got here, it, it was completely different than anything I'd he expected. He never met a Native American in his life. Never. What? Never. <laughs> Absolutely. It is very, very it, it, I was so secluded. I was so it's secluded. Very secluded there. And, 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 and so I had to make a choice. And so I went over to the recruiter's office and began to go through the process. I took the, the ASVAB written exam and... You know, did all the medical tests and everything. And so the day came and he said, all right, um, I need you to meet me here at the recruiter station at such and such time. I'm going to take you over to Beckley, West Virginia. You're going to spend the night in a hotel. The next day you're going to finish processing through the MEPS station. You're going to swear allegiance to the United States of America. And we're going to ship you off to basic training. You lost part suit. <laughs> and, uh, no. and, and so... Um, on the way to the hotel room, 
Now, my parents were not happy, particularly my dad. He didn't want me leaving the nest, you know. But I was 22 years old. I had already been working for a little while. And I was on the way to the hotel, and the recruiter told, told me this. He says, technically, you have a choice to walk away at any time up until you raise your hand and swear allegiance to the United States of America. Until you are sworn in to the Army, you can walk away. Even though we've put you up in a hotel and we've fed you your meal, even though you've gone through all this, technically you can walk away. And I tell you, that kept gnawing away in the back of my mind throughout that day because I was nervous. I was like, oh, wow, I'm going halfway across the country to a place I've never been. And so I went through all the process. And So that afternoon, late that afternoon, the bus pulls up. And we're getting ready to take allegiance uh, to the United States of America. And I knew at that point I had to make a decision. It was either I could walk away. They'd all be mad at me, but I could walk away and just go home. Or I can get on the bus. And I had to make a choice. Nobody else could make that choice for me. I had to make that choice. And I chose, obviously, to get on that bus. That bus took me from Beckley, West Virginia, to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, where when the door opened, when we stopped, there were drill sergeants spitting and screaming in my face. They were throwing us off to the side manhandling us because they're allowed they were allowed to do that then they're not allowed to do that now but they were calling you all kinds of names and there were people standing there men in tears because they were they felt so humiliated by being screamed at by all these people saying you will respect me you will fear me when i jump you see how high you will do what i tell you to at all times they had us we were still in our clothes and before getting in our military uniforms and we were doing push-ups and everything and he was telling us we were all fat and lazy and worthless and we would never make a soldier and that was my introduction and i began to really think did i make the right choice getting on that bus because there was nine weeks of this and then they were going to take me to fort lee virginia for another six weeks of ait before long before i ever came to fort seal I thought, man, did I make the right choice? But I tell you, looking back, absolutely I made the right choice. Had I not got on that bus, I never would have met Amber. We never would have gotten married and had Elizabeth and Ethan. We never would have seen the places we've seen, encountered the the people we've encountered, built the, the friendships and relationships that we have all across this country. We would not be here in Great Plains Apostolic Church this morning had I chosen to walk away instead of getting on that bus. You wouldn't have met me. I never would have met Dante or Nick or Miss Daka. So it was important. We all make choices and there's a point of no return. You say there's no turning back. I'm going in this direction and I'm going to keep going. God is calling us to a deeper relationship with Him. He's calling us to a deeper commitment. He's calling us to... Say, Lord, Lord, I want to be closer to you than I have ever been before. I'm not content with where I'm at right now. I want to go further. I want to go deeper. I want to know you more. I want to grow spiritually. And a year from now, I want to look back on this day and say, I have grown so much over the last year. But it's up to us as individuals to make that happen. As pastor, I can preach the Word of God to us. And I will I'll always preach the Word of God to us in love to try to uh, inspire and just try to uh, build faith in your life. But you got to go home from church and you got to apply 
tools to build your faith for yourself. You've got to go home and pray. I can't pray for you. You can't pray for me. We can pray for each other in a sense like I'm going through something. You know, Miss Doc, I would you pray for me? Absolutely. But what I'm saying is we have to have a prayer life outside of church. We have to go home and put that into practice. We've got to go home and say, you know what? I have a busy schedule. I've got a lot going on. But I'm going to take 10 or 15 minutes. and I'm just going to read the Bible today, you know. We have to do that for ourselves. We have to become a praiser and a worshiper. Every opportunity. You know what? Uh, when I'm driving down the road, if you ever are driving up beside me and I'm going down the road in my car, uh, you'll probably laugh at me because I'm singing at the top of my lungs with my radio and I'm singing to Jesus. You know, Casting Crowns comes on with a song and you know, as far as the east and from the west and I'm just over singing. I'm driving down the road but I'm singing at the top of my lungs and people are probably looking at me like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> I am praising God. I chose a long time ago that I'm going to be a praiser and a worshiper. You don't have to just praise and worship God here at church. You can do it in your car. You can do it in your, your whatever vehicle you have. You can do it at home. You can do it wherever you are. But when we come together in church, if I've chosen to be a praiser and a worshiper, nothing and nobody is going to hold me back. I am going to lift my hands and love Him. I'm going to call on His name. I'm going to tell him how much he means to me. I am going to lift up the name of Jesus because like that song a few minutes ago, we sang, he is my everything. So God is calling us to get on the bus. Can we stand here all across this place today? I want to be spiritually fit. That means the things going on on the inside of me I need to make sure that they're, they're working right. Repentance is a tool that we use. Paul says, I die daily. Repentance is not something that you pray one time in your life and you're good to go. Some, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. We all make wrong choices and mistakes and bad decisions. But repentance is the tool that we eradicate sin from our life. And we go to God and we say, Lord, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm living. These are the things I've done. Lord, I'm sorry. Help me to do better. Forgive me. That's how. That's one way we keep our heart clean. Developing a consistent prayer life at home. Developing a, a love for the Word of God. I was reading the other day out of the book of Psalms 119 and it said that perfect peace have they that love thy word and nothing shall offend them. If you're a person that gets easily offended, maybe do some internal evaluation and say, you know what? Do I really love this book? Do I really have a love and appreciation for the Word of God? Because if I love the Word of God and I and I get I spend some time reading and studying and I apply it to my life, you're gonna develop thick skin. You're going to let stuff be able to roll off your back and keep on going without it causing you to clam up with anger and bitterness and resentment and hatred. That's what the Bible says. If you love His Word, nothing can offend you. So if you struggle with that, maybe just do some internal examination. Say, am I loving the Word of God? And how do we love the Word of God? We have to spend time with it, don't we? Fasting. All right. 
Fasting has never been one of my favorite things to do. I'm doing a lot of intermittent fasting on this keto diet, which helps me also spiritually because my body's not going uh, through all of this. What are you doing to me whenever I skip a few meals? Right? Fasting brings our flesh under subjection and says, you know what? It's not about self-gratification. It's not about what I want all the time. You know, a lot of it is what does God want from me? Is God pleased with where I'm at right now? So it's good to incorporate some fasting into your life. Skip a meal here and there. And instead of eating, just go find a place and pray or read the Bible a little bit. Become an appraiser and a worshiper of God. All of these things will help change us from the inside out. Can we close our eyes and pray all across this place? I've done my best to try to present to us the burden that God has laid on my heart this morning. God is calling us and challenging us to go deeper into a more committed relationship with Him. He's calling us to prayer. He's calling us to fasting. He's calling us to giving. He's calling us to to get involved and to be servants one to another. To be involved in the kingdom of God. He's calling us to grow spiritually. Building upon our faith. Keeping ourselves in the love of God. And if we will apply these tools to our life, these things will begin to produce fruit that God is looking for in us. Lord Jesus, right now, all across this place, I'm asking that you would touch every one of us, moving our hearts, moving our lives, moving our spirits, oh God. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open and tender, ready to receive the word of God that has come forth. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. Help us not to be content with where we are, Lord, although we are so thankful for the great strides we have made. But God, take us further. Take us deeper. Fill us with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Lead us and guide us. Let your presence be with us, Lord. Let your anointing be upon us, God. Move in every need, every situation, every life. And Lord, we make a commitment here today to get on the bus, Lord. Lord, we're going to take that step of faith. We're going to walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. Let your word instruct us, God. Help us, Lord. Lead us. Bless this church. Bless these wonderful people, Lord. Bless our homes, our families, our finances. Bless, Lord, and lead us into the great revival, Lord. Help us to connect with others all across the city. The souls will be one and saved with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor in Jesus' name. Can we lift our hands and just love the Lord for a moment before we're dismissed? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your great grace, God. I love you, Jesus. Lord, you are my everything. I love you, Jesus. I worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you all. Thank you.